I wanna welcome each and every one of you to the start of the Christmas season at Milestone. It's always such an exciting time, a time where we see Jesus impact so many people. I wanna look in the camera there and welcome those that are at our McKinney campus, those at our Hazlitt campus that are joining us, all of you watching online, maybe someone in a video venue here at the Keller campus. Can we put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us? We're so glad to have you with us along for the ride. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14, John 14, 27. It's gonna take me a minute to get there because I wanna connect some dots for you. But as I began to go into this Christmas season and began to pray for you and years and years of Christmas series and thinking about the different things we could talk about regarding the Christmas story, um, I began to, if I'm really transparent with you, sometimes as a pastor, you're, you're kind of weighing some things and you're, you, you know, you only have one story, by the way, there's just one story there in the Bible, it's the Christmas story and it's given in a few of the gospels and there's some prophecies and so you're just like, okay, Lord, what are you wanting to do? And was kind of weighing some things out and then began to talk with some of our pastoral care team and some of our pastors and just began to think even about some of my own interactions and I thought about just the greatest gift that I could give you because I'm not just an itinerant speaker, I'm not just someone who talks about concepts and just you know preaches about inspirational things. I'm a pastor and as I pastor and walk with you and journey with you and our team members and all of you that are small group leaders that are helping and working and, and, and loving people, I began to hear a consistent theme that uh, we're still in a season and, and, I, and I'm hoping we can see a reverse in this. I'm not sure if it's just the things we went through the last few years or, or, or the things we're dealing with in culture, but, but, but everything culturally and, and even some of of the things we've walked through is, is bringing an all-out assault on that which we value and care about most, and that's our homes. And so the greatest gift that we could, could really receive is, is what it means to be this phrase we use, home for Christmas, is more than just our geographical location. It's what it means to have Jesus and who he is really show up in the relationships we care about the most. So, so really, as a pastor, I wanna talk to you over the next few weeks about what you care about a lot, but what you don't get a lot of equipment or help in. A lot of people just sort of step into these relationships with very little maybe help from the atmospheres and homes that they're raised in, or maybe they just sort of just hope it'll work out, and what we think of as love today is like, well, that's just a feeling and I feel it now, but I hope I still feel it later. And we just sort of enter these relationships and everything about even the way our worlds and our lives are today that communicates to us self, 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 self. You deserve to be happy. Live your own truth. It's you, it's you, it's you. Think about you, that very thought is toxic to the home. It's toxic to marriage. It's toxic to relationships with our kids. That is not where you find home. 
at Christmas. And so what we do is we have all the Christmas activities and the parties and the food and the things. And it's like now the commercialization of Christmas, we've added so much. We just keep, we don't take anything away from last Christmas. We just add to it. Are you with? Because we're just in search of that moment where we have peace in our homes. So I want to talk about the best gift I could give you is peace this Christmas. Peace in your home. Peace in your relationships. Peace in that. That's really what you're striving for. Now here's what I know about Christmas for me. As you get older, I'm going to get nothing good for Christmas. Anybody getting older? Nothing, really. Anything I get that's good was bought with my credit card. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's not really getting anything good, just to be honest. And so I'm just looking for some good food, maybe some good moments. You know, I've got some other goals this Christmas, but I, I did hear, but, and you might think I'm so relationally or culturally out of touch. I heard about two big gifts this Christmas. I always try to offer you a little help. One is, I'm fascinated by this, ice roller. How many of y'all... Anybody Hazlitt campus anywhere? Y'all, you don't really want to admit that in church. I got you. I got you. You don't want to admit you got bags under your eyes. This ice roller thing, evidently, you roll it there. I don't know. You 20 minutes, it just shrinks them down. I, I don't know. I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I'm open. Y'all with me? Maybe everybody's going to go get one of those. Um, the other one I heard about, air fryer. How many of y'all got an air fryer? Yeah, you guys, man, these things, they must be selling a lot of these. Every service, campuses, I don't, I mean, air fryer. I'm wondering, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, you know, trapped in an old mindset. Why, why not just keep the original fryer? I don't know if y'all want to educate me. But anyway, you're like, no, pastor, we don't need the peanut oil. It's better. It's, it's basically like another type of toaster oven. Anyway, so if you don't have one of those, everybody I'm preaching to has one. So you're out. I'm out. We need to get one. Okay. So we can get the air fryer. But how many of you remember back when you were younger, when you were a kid, where you really bought into this Santa list thing and you really thought your parents were going to get you something really amazing? I remember thinking, I bought into it. I remember coming into 16, I thought, my parents are gonna buy me a new car. I'm gonna walk out on Christmas and they're gonna, you just, you go to bed just believing it by faith that I'm gonna walk out and there's gonna be a new car in my front yard with a bow on it. Never happened, y'all, it never, it never happened. Mom, if you're watching, it's, it's just, I'm sorry. Now, not only did they not get me a new car, my parents never bought me a car. I know that's old school, so I borrowed dad's old Ford pickup, three on the tree, you know what I'm saying? If I had a date, took mom's station wagon, because you know, three on the tree wouldn't work. Station wagon had air conditioning, y'all know what I'm saying, all right? But, but, but I, I just, I, I thought about, what about this Christmas, if, some, if you received on Christmas Day a new car? It just showed up, whatever one you like, Mercedes-Benz, Tesla, Cadillac Escalade, I don't know. You woke up and out in the front yard with a bow on it was a brand new car. You didn't have to pay taxes on it. It all showed up and you're just like, man, some of y'all are like, man, this would be amazing. This would be great. Who bought it for me, my kids? I mean, how did I get this? And you got it. Here's what my point is. If you did nothing with that gift, over time it would deteriorate. You, you, don't, you don't have to try to make it deteriorate. It will deteriorate. What will happen if you just leave it sitting in the front yard, the battery will die, 
The tires will go flat. They will begin to deteriorate. Over time, the fuel will go bad. Over time, rust and other things will begin to happen. Over time, the pest will move in. The, 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 the predators and pests and pets and whatever, rats and whatever else are gonna move in. And before long, you're gonna have a dilapidated, a degrading gift. You look, why are you telling us this? It's how it happens in the home. The main focus of my message this weekend to get us started on peace in your home is you don't have to do anything to lose peace in your home. You just have to do nothing. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is do nothing and don't focus on the right things and you will lose peace at your house. Though it is, here's the good news. Though it is a gift, peace is a gift better than a new car. It's better than you possibly imagine. It's the greatest gift that you can receive and Jesus gives us that gift as a promise. It's part of the promise of Christmas. It's not real present in the way we do Christmas, but it is the promise of Christmas. You're like, where is that in the story? Well, I, I love the, the Luke version of the Christmas story. We usually read it on Christmas Eve, or maybe you read it at your house, and it has all the, the cool nativity scene characters, and we get a window into Mary and her heart, and, and, and she's working through it, and there's all the, the different pieces to the puzzle and the shepherds and different things that happen, and, and, and it's interesting that in the Luke story, we see that his peace will come to those on whom his favor rests. But I also like the Matthew story. I don't know when the last time you read the Matthew story, but maybe this Christmas you'll read the Matthew story. The Matthew story is a little more family and it, it's got chaos in the story. It's got family things going on there. It's, it's a little more detailed. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God could have come to us any way he wanted, but Jesus came to us in a family. Jesus came as one of us in a family because that's part of where God wants to work in our lives and Jesus came as part of that picture. From Genesis to Jesus, God's concerned with your home and your family and your relationships. It's part of who he is. He identifies as God the Father. And what I love is in that Matthew story, there's all this chaos and Joseph's got a fiance who's pregnant and there's problems and it's like, okay, yes, it's you know the Holy Spirit and all of these things that are kind of out of the box and there's chaos. But it says to us in the Matthew story, he will be Emmanuel, God with us. So he's not a God that we go like an idol and worship and we just look at him as some distant or some figure or some statue. He's a Jesus who comes into your every day and he'll be God with us. At his birth announcement that's on a lot of Christmas cards, Isaiah 9, 6, I'm talking about the promise of peace for you. We have to look at the word to get faith for something that you're missing and you gotta know that God has promised it in his word. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. See the familial language? Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. You know where we miss it a lot in our world and culture? We think peace is where we're at geographically. 
where the atmosphere is at, who's around, who's not around. Peace is a tranquil feeling. It's an abstract concept. In scripture, it's a person that you choose. It's a person that you invite. It's a person that wants to come. And I love John 14, 27, because Jesus, before he leaves, he reemphasizes this gift that doesn't just come at Christmas, but it comes in who he is. I, I love this. This verse kind of became fresh and new. How many of you know the Bible's alive? It's living, it's active. It'll speak to you if you've been reading it for 20 years or two days. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, peace I leave with you in your home, in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, in your soul, in your depression. Jesus is saying, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Jesus' peace is a gift. I love how he contrasts it. I do not give it to you as the world gives. See, the world's version of peace is something you have to earn, obtain, strive for, get. When I get that, I'll have peace. When I get there, I'll have peace. If we could just get to the beach, we could have some peace. If we could just get all these crazy relatives out of our house at Christmas, we could have some peace. If we could just get rid of all the weird people in the world, we could get rid of all the other people that don't understand the world as good as I understand the world because I'm the one who has it all figured out and everybody else is bothering my peace. Are you with me? Christmas is the only time we choose to be around people that we would never choose to be around any other time of the year. I'm sorry, I'm being too transparent. <laughs> we would never choose them as our friends, but we have to be with them. So we go with them and we're in an atmosphere that we're thinking the whole time, man, I don't know. I want to be home for Christmas, but every time I go home, I realize how dysfunctional home is, and it's stirred all up in my soul, and it brings up my pains and my hurts from the past, and they don't have this, and they're not affirming, and I'm missing all these things, and I'm lacking. Here's my heart for you, that you realize peace is not an external, it's an internal. That Jesus says, I give it to you, not as the world gives it to you, and he says this. I love this. This really became fresh to me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why do you have to not let your hearts be troubled? That's where they're going. That's where your heart is headed, toward trouble, anxiety, lack of peace, confusion, hurt, offense. That's where the heart goes. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he tells us where the root issue is. The root issue is, do not be afraid. He says that our fear is the reason we receive the world's peace as a substitute because fear is the culprit that keeps us from receiving the gift. Now I realize some of you out there are in different various places. I think we all are at various places. Some of you are just like, man, you, you're talking to me. I've had my peace kind of clouded or distorted. You know, you're just, you're just a little off. You know, you're just a little tiff in the relationship. You know, just a little problem. This week, not that I'm speaking as just a theorist, but I am married. <laughs> I have children at all various ages. Have a child who's having a birthday, and I felt as if I was really doing something really powerful. You, know, you ever have that where in the relationship you're like, man, I'm really going to get one here. I'm really going to score one for the, for the team, for the peace man in the house. 
and I uh, got a little gift for our daughters of this, and my wife and both of us are busy, and you know, this is full on for us at Christmas, and she's getting ready for joy, and, and I got this going, and we're kind of passing a little bit. By the way, the way we do life creates busyness, and busyness and all the activities you have over the next month, if you don't have intentionality, it's there to rob your peace. I'm not the only one. So I send a little text. Well, I got the, I, and how many of you know in text is hard because just by the way you word it, and most of the time you're doing it, you know, like this, voice command, I do that too, and then I just send it, and I look up, and I think, oh my gosh, what did I say? Y'all, anybody like me? Y'all don't say, I didn't mean that. And the way I worded it sounded like I got Lauren a gift, and you're not going to be part of the gift. I was just saying that I got her my own card, but I got you one too, but it was my fault by the way I worded it, and my wife was like, honey, I want to be, you know, and so then I ended up, we're in a text argument. Don't look at me so holy. <laughs> We're in a text, not maybe not argument, but it's text tense. Which is why I usually send a lot of emoticons, whatever I'm sending. Because that keeps you from getting text tense and it can create good fire at night, you know, so you don't want to get in trouble. So you just send some big hard eyes and the heart like, boom, 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 boom. I'm on the team, baby. I'm, I'm doing good. I mean, I'm not mad at you. Are you mad at me? Surely you're not. Just a smiley face. You know, just any kind of modicon. Keep it good. Five hearts. 100%. 100%. So we just had to call. Hey, hey, here's the deal. You know, we were just getting tech. Sometimes you can just get a little off. Others of you in your peace, you've had peace in the past, but for a while it's been gone. For a while there's been tension and maybe you just started with a little text tense or a relational tense or passing each other in the night and there's a lack of affirmation and then over time you just end up in two different corners and, and you're not in a place of communication. And, and, and the thing about this is it's gone, but you have been there before, so you know at least at some level maybe how to get back to there, hopefully. But right now it's gone. There's not peace at your house. Did you know I know I'm talking to some of you? You're like, Jeff, that's a foreign concept. I, I, I grew up in a home that had no peace. And I said, I will never be like my dad. I'll never be like my mom. And somehow, some way, I've ended up in a home where we don't have a lot of peace. We don't have an atmosphere of God's peace. And, and I'm wondering how we got there and I don't even know how to get out of there. Well, I wanna spend our last few moments together and then I'm gonna pray for you, helping you unpack this because no matter how long you walk with Jesus, no matter how much of the Bible you know, let me make sure I declare this. Having a lack of peace doesn't make you a weird person. It makes you human. It's who you are, it's who God, it, it, and the only thing you have to do is realize it's going to take intentionality to reverse. That's what it takes is intentionality to create a reverse. Let me tell you about the word peace in the Old Testament, shalom. Shalom is a greeting, it can be, as if you watch The Chosen or one of these shows and Christmas thing, you hear the, the it can be a greeting, but I wanna talk to you about a deeper meaning of the word it's more than an external feel, as I said, the word peace. It's deeper than that. Shalom means whole. 
And that's why in the Bible, when you see a connection, Psalm 122 talks about a wall that has holes in it. And when the word shalom is used, it's talking about filling the holes in the wall. And it's mentioned several times in the Bible. Shalom also used as a verb, it means to make complete. And so when it's used in Exodus 22, it talks about if someone has taken an animal and, and you're, you think about it when you talk about someone that you've loaned money to, it's like, you gotta make me whole. You gotta make, it, make me back complete. Well, in Exodus, it says that you don't just give one animal, but you give two animals, and you're like, why are you telling us this? This is important that you understand the scriptural concept of the gift that is peace, that is Jesus Christ, because he's the fulfillment of these, these pictures that we see in the Old Testament. I wanna tell you, if you'll get intentional about this, if you'll really do what it takes to really surrender and receive the gift from Jesus, let me just tell you, it's more than just making you complete as you think complete, it's always better than you even thought. When Jesus reconciles a relationship, the relationship is actually not just kind of back to status quo, it's better than it was. There's more trust, there's more love, there's more intimacy, there's more relationship when he restores it. So it's to make complete as you see it. Shalom is not, peace is not just a feeling it's really the root of reconciliation. It's the root of what Jesus does in our lives. So I wanna talk to you about, as we start toward that, how do we get toward that? Here's a question that I think a lot of us, maybe it's a new thought for you. It could be a mental shift right here. How do we really become peacemakers in our home? Every campus, every person online, this is an important shift. I want you to get this, become peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. For the most part, most of us, fear is so strong, the fear of rejection, the fear of stepping into the unknown, the fear of feeling vulnerable to receive from Jesus, to let go of control, the fear of rejection from someone around you causes us to not walk into the things that will make peace, and so what we do is we stay. Fear is so powerful, it'll cause you to accept a lesser version of wholeness just because you're afraid of what could happen. Did you know the fear of rejection has held many people back from the power of health and peace? You say, where does that really come from? Really, I think it's kind of a process. You gotta see this process of fear. Fear leads to control. Why are we so busy doing all the things that we do that are actually causing us to have, what we, we're trying to control environments to create what we want. So we think if we control the setting and control the situation and we're in control of everything, then we can actually dictate the temperature of the atmosphere, but the truth is what we find, no matter how much we put ourselves in control, we can't produce what only comes from Jesus. Then it leads to confusion. When you get on this train of Jesus said, now I realize the disciples, he's talking about a different context. He's going away, they're gonna be persecuted, but that's the power of the Bible. What was making them afraid and him saying, don't let fear rob your peace, the, the truth is the principle is applicable to wherever we're at as well. That's the power of scripture. But you end up in a place of confusion. And that's where the enemy wants to get you, by the way. I was counseling a couple not too long ago who had an issue in their home. 
had a challenge with a child and the fear of talking to the child because they were afraid of the child's response. These are not immature believers. These are people who know the word. These are people that know. And that's how the power of fear can get you to a place where you're afraid to have the conversation about something that you know is robbing peace because you're afraid of the response. And they're like, but we don't have peace about this. I said to them, listen, the enemy doesn't lead that way. If you don't have peace, then you need to know that that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. You gotta be, the devil drives you. Your flesh drives you. The Spirit of God leads you with wisdom and peace. So let me just say to you, if you don't have peace, let's stop, halt, and stop. Many people make terrible decisions based on fear controlling them for what they may lose. The Spirit of God will lead you through peace, but the enemy will cause confusion and make you feel trapped, and there's nothing I can do, and there's nowhere I can go, and then that creates more conflict, and let me tell you where he ultimately wants to get you, to a place of isolation. If you're in a place in your relationship where, okay, now we're not talking, now we're in cold shoulder, now we're only texting, and that's making it even worse, and now we're moving away from our relationship, and now maybe we're in separate bedrooms, now we're in separate places, we're in separate houses. Let me tell you, the enemy wants to divide. That's what he's always done. That's what he always does. He wants to rob peace, get you confused, get you in a place where he separates, and he wants to move you apart. Let me talk to you about the supernatural process of peacemaking. There's a difference in people who try to keep the peace, always feeling like they're failing. No, no, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And James said in James three, here's this supernatural process. By the way, this is Jesus's brother. <laughs> Cause Jesus was in a family. Now, Jesus' brother, I think it's important to listen to Jesus' brother. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. So you gotta decide, do I wanna be right or righteous? Is being right the most important thing or it's not about who's right or who's wrong, it's about what's right because why am I so adamant about this? Did you know you'd be better off having less accomplishments, less tasks, less things that fear's driving you to and have more moments that create peace because if peace is there, you have a place in which God blesses. Where there is strife and envy, it says there is disorder in every evil practice. Here's what Brandy and I, early on, we were counseled in this passage. And we just said, you know what? Sometimes we're gonna have tension. We gotta, we gotta deal with it. We gotta keep, it, at the bare minimum, let's work real hard at just trying to keep unity because unity is a place God blesses. If you were to like, give me my number one thing, man, just try to keep from the enemy creating tension and, because where we have enough to fight. We have enough stuff to fight than to be fighting the enemy that we've invited into our house. Disorder in every evil practice, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial and sincere. Look at this, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You're like, I wish my kid would get right. Maybe you need to get right first by sowing peace 
by getting engaged with Jesus's process. I, what, what are you wanting to do in me? Again, the devil always talks to you about everybody else. The Holy Spirit always talks to you about you. Says, let's work on your heart. Am I sowing in peace? Am I a peacemaker or just trying to be a peacekeeper? Here's the process, surrender. The problem is peace is a gift, so we have to surrender. And when you know what surrender produces? Humility. And when you have humility, then God can actually show up when you're humbling yourself before him and you surrender to him. And then that allows you to have healthy communication. As long as we're on the other side of the fence, we can't actually communicate in a healthy way and the enemy's distorting everything we say. And then that brings order. That brings God's order. When we submit to God and we let him be the head of our relationships and our family, then he brings his order. Did you notice one of the things on his birth announcements is that he's, the, he has, he's in charge of the government, he's in charge. The government's on his shoulders, so we fall in line with his order. Let, let me say this to some of you younger families. Part of having a younger family is there's chaos, okay? It goes with the territory. Me and Brandy's call it signs of life. There's toys everywhere, there's fun, there's activity, there's chaos, and, 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 and you know, there's some lady back there with the young family going, hallelujah, pastor, thank you for noticing me. I notice you, I know what's going on, I've been there, I have four of these little creatures. But I will tell you, there's also God's order. And when you're, a, it's amazing how we can be afraid of a two-year-old's response. If you don't set in order God's principles, there's a difference in fun and rebellion. If you let rebellion operate, you're not just gonna have disorder and lack of peace because they're young, it'll be worse when they're older. So you have to make peace by actually being the parent and setting things in order in the home and addressing heart issues and training the child in the way they should go. And the Bible says, actually, they will not die. They will make you think they will die. <laughs> You're killing me. I've only just started, actually. But if you allow them to live in a world that the universe revolves around them, if you placate, if you do, if the, the peace of the home is totally changed by just that one, two, or three-year-old, you are doing them a disservice. And you actually will never have peace because they learn to live where selfish ambition and self, I'm not talking about fun, I'm not talking about being a kid, I'm not talking about honest mistakes, I'm talking about heart. Order, and where there's God's order, there's reconciliation. When you surrender to Jesus, you don't make your vows to a person, you make your vows to Jesus. So because Brandy and I surrender to Jesus, we've not been perfect, we've had to do just like you and learn how to walk and deal and problems and things, but you know what? When you surrender to Jesus, that puts you in a humble posture, it brings God's order, and guess what? We gotta figure out how to keep making peace because we're gonna be together a long time. It's amazing how settling that makes you say, well, I, we said this before the Lord. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about all the variables. I'm talking about core people right now, our pastoral care team, people I'm dealing with. I want you to hear me. The enemy is coming to divide you. 
Jesus wants to bring shalom, wholeness, completeness, reconciliation. That's his desire. But you're like, why do we, why do, what do we do? We have to become peacemakers. Peacemakers are those people who have received the gift of peace. They're the ones who have, and guess what? Then when we surrender to Jesus and we receive the gift of peace, we also now have his word that dictates our actions. You're like, forgive them? Do you know what they did? No, 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 no. We don't forgive them based on what they did. We offer forgiveness based on what he did for us. That's what it says here. So we forgive not based on their merit of being forgivable. We forgive based on the fact that we've been forgiven and because whom has been forgiven, now we are able to offer what we have received. So when you're playing games this Christmas, how many of y'all hate the person who changes the rules the whole time you're playing the game to their advantage? You're like, (laughs) my wife goes, amen. Sorry, she's not supposed to be that transparent in church. Sorry. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. No, I'm just playing. I'm sorry. No. But you know what I find is a lot of homes, you're making up the rules as you go because you hadn't surrendered to the playbook. It'd be like playing a football game with no referee. It's like backyard football. Who knows who's in charge? Backyard basketball. Look, just every man for himself, everybody for themselves. Might makes right. Most homes are whoever's the loudest, the most dominant, whoever. No, 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 no. The home has a rule book and there's a referee named Jesus who has a white and black shirt on it. He has the right to say, you don't play that way. You don't play that way. Here's the rule book. You say, what do we actually do, pastor? Surrender your life and your home to Jesus? Like the gentleman on our testimony video this weekend, as we're baptizing people, look, when I surrendered it. Did you notice what he said? I'm all in. Isn't it amazing that it's better, bigger, more amazing than you ever thought when he said, I'm all in? Did you hear what he said? He said, we're just in a, I think he said, amazing season, a wonderful season. What predicated that wonderful season? Did every circumstance in his life change? No, he surrendered. He surrendered his life, his home to Jesus. Humble yourself and ask for help. Ask for help. I told even some of our pastors this this week, isn't it interesting that in our culture and context, money, family, and parenting is where people have the most problems, but it's the least place we invite help. Don't talk to me about my money. Yeah, that's why you have the challenge. Don't talk to me about my family. Don't talk to me about my kids. We, 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 the enemy isolates us because we think we have to have it figured out by ourselves. No person is void of needing other people that have wisdom. And what did I say there? Ask your pastor, ask your small group leader, ask a trusted voice. Ask somebody who knows the rules, by the way. Because I've been doing this almost 30 years, and anytime I find severe division that keeps getting worse and worse, when God wants reconciliation, there's always a voice of somebody that's not biblical speaking to that person. Can I encourage everybody here who's a follower of Jesus? We shouldn't just agree with feelings. We should agree with the word when we're counseling people regarding their homes and their families. Yeah. Jesus is wanting reconciliation, and I've seen him do it. 
I've seen him do it in the worst of scenarios. He's a reconciler. He's a shalom, peace. He can bring it together. But we have to humble ourselves and ask for help. By the way, you can fill out a connect card at any time. Our team is ready to serve you and help you. You can put it in the offering containers at the back of any campus. And you can say, I just need some help. We would be honored to serve you and help you. Also on our website, it has a button on the milestonechurch.com website. You can click on it. I need some help. We want to try to help you in this area of your life. Here's another one. Go to the person where there's an offense and talk with them. Can I tell you, in my own life, and then in a lot of times just working with people, a big percentage of the time where the enemy comes is just the lack of communication, the lack of willingness to talk about what's going on, to offer forgiveness, just to say, I'm so, it's amazing how many things that the enemy lets those little things build up that keep dividing us, that a humble, healthy communication can't bring healing. So I would say this, here's my word for you this Christmas. Be intentional about addressing disunity in your home. Be intentional. Be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper. Don't get caught up in all the tasks and the activities while missing the real heart of the gift of peace that Jesus wants to give you. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I'm gonna ask no one to move around. I want you, unless it's an emergency, I want you not to move for just a second. I wanna give you a gift. There'll be plenty of Christmas activity and Christmas songs and Christmas parties and Christmas gifts and different things, but I want Betsy to come and I wanna give you just, just a couple minutes here. We're not gonna be long. We're gonna close the service. Every campus, every person, every video venue, just for a minute, just bow your head. And I just want you to let, there's so many applications I could give to what I'm talking about, but I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you. What's your part? What does he want to say to you? Where are some areas? Where is there a forgiveness? Is there a text? Is there an offense? Is there a step that you need to take? Is there a place you can be? And he wants to show you that. And so just for a minute, and then I'm gonna pray over you and your home. If you're here and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus and you're just like, I've tried to control it, I've been afraid of that decision, then all you have to do right where you are is just say, Jesus, I give you my life. It's really ultimately just about your heart of surrender. I believe you came as a baby on Christmas. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead. I receive you today. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Maybe come forward at the end of the service, drop a communication card in one of the boxes at the back of any campus. Let us know, maybe click that button, I need help. We wanna help you learn how to walk out a relationship with Jesus because peace is a gift. You have to receive it. But second of all, Lord, I pray specifically, Lord, for the families, for the homes, for the places where you put this on my heart for Christmas, I know you're speaking to someone. And Lord, I pray right now, you're the ultimate reconciler. Shalom, peace, wholeness, completeness, reconciliation. You're the fulfillment of that, Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, to come supernaturally into every home, relationship, and family and do what it is that only you can do. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Work in our hearts in Jesus' name.